hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're going to see God bring about justice for his people amidst this pressure from Assyria. The king of Assyria had oppressed ancient Judah. They had even conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And effectively, uh, the king of Judah had arrived at this you know, plot to just sort of bribe his way into peace with Assyria. But then something happened. The king of Assyria died and his son took over. And so immediately everybody who was just paying Assyria not to kill them attempted a revolt. Now, this didn't work out all that well for a lot of the outlying cities around Judah because they would immediately fall. Uh, they would immediately fall to uh, uh, to King uh, Sennacherib's army. Let's look at the text of Isaiah chapter 36. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, King Sennacherib of Assyria attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his royal spokesman, along with a massive army from Lachish, or Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. The Assyrians stood near the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the launderer's field. Eliakim, son of, uh, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the court historian, came out to him. Those, those names should sound familiar because we've seen them addressed even uh, individually in some cases, right? Uh, so it, you can see that there's been a demotion here. We see uh, Eliakim also spoken to as well. Here's the, here's the conversation. This is the, the, the garrison or the, the, the representative, the spokesman from Assyria has come from Lashish. That's this, uh, this, this city that's like 30 miles from Jerusalem. He's brought this massive army with him and it's really intimidating. Uh, here's verse four. The royal spokesman said to them, tell Hezekiah, remember Hezekiah is the king of Judah, <clears throat> the great, uh, the great king, the king of Assyria says this, what are you relying on? You think mere words and strategy and, uh, and, and strength for war. Who are you now relying on that you have rebelled against me? Look, you're relying on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff that will pierce the hand of anyone who grabs it and leans on it. This is how Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is to all who rely on him. Suppose you say to me, we rely on the Lord our God. Isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you are to worship at this altar? All right, don't you love it when people who don't believe in God try to interpret God. I'll bet that there would even be an Orthodox Jew who would look at me going through and interpreting the book of Isaiah saying this. But this is all the more pronounced when atheists try to interpret scripture or people from pagan faith systems try to interpret scripture. You, you, you evidence the fact that you haven't read the book. And it's all the more obvious, right, when you try to critique the Bible without the Spirit of God within you that you don't you don't know what you're talking about. This guy thought that the high places were set up to worship God. God told them to demolish the high places because they were dedicated to the worship of like Asherah, for example. So in fact, it was God's will that they demolish those high places and only worship God at the temple in Jerusalem as originally prescribed. 
this book of Isaiah ends, in chapter, uh, it, especially in chapters 52 and 53, as it comes to a close in chapter 66, is so patently, obviously, clearly about Jesus. All right, in just a few chapters, actually, when we hit chapter 40, uh, you're going to see this very clear, uh, very clear pointing forward. We've already seen some messianic prophecies, but much of the the message of Isaiah is about to get, just get all about. It, it's, just, it's messianic, messianic, messianic. And chapters 52 and 53 are so clearly, obviously, about Jesus that there is no other proper lens through which to interpret this than the fulfillment of these prophecies, which can be Jesus only. And so for that reason, as a Christian, we're actually better equipped to interpret the book of Isaiah than even our Jewish friends are, because they will look at these prophecies that can be only about Jesus and scratch their heads. But we look at them and we just reflect on the beauty of God and his perfect record of prophecy and fulfillment. So this representative has just come from Assyria, and he clearly doesn't get it. They've easily taken some of the fortified cities around Judah, and now they're they're uh, sending they're sending this this threatening message, indicating their ignorance of how worship of God actually works through the staff of King Hezekiah to to reach out to King Hezekiah. Verse eight. Now make a deal with my master, the king of Assyria. I'll give you two thousand horses if you'll supply the riders for them. This was a taunt. The idea was, if I gave you 2,000 horses, you probably couldn't produce 2,000 men who could even ride them. He's not going to go on to even assume divine revelation himself. Okay, now for, for context, for what, what's about to be said, the ancient Assyrians were polytheistic, and they looked at Yahweh as if he were a god on par with their gods, which means that they had a very low view of him. And so they would have claimed to have even received word from God. These are the enemies of God claiming to have heard from God. But as later events will indicate, that cannot have been the case. Here's verse 9. How then can you drive back a single officer among the least of my master's servants? How can you rely on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? All right, now this is a little bit funny because it actually does kind of echo what God was saying. All right, so it, it's a it's 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 interesting. He almost he almost echoes what God said, but then uh, verse ten is is going to be the giveaway that that uh, he is he's not in fact actually heard from God. Have I attacked this land to destroy it without the Lord's approval? The Lord said to me, "Attack this land and destroy it." Okay, man, watch out for those who claim to have been given a prophecy from the Lord, but what they say never crossed the Lord's mind. That's what Jeremiah would warn as well. Watch out for this. Watch out for this. Like God is going to deal with you. If you claim to speak on behalf of God, you attempt to add on to the word of God. Personal revelations that come from the Holy Spirit of God ought to be perfectly consistent with Scripture which in a way makes them redundant, although I genuinely believe that it's helpful because I don't have perfect eidetic photographic memory. I can't remember every single thing that I've ever read, and so the Holy Spirit will bring Scripture to my heart when I need it. But that does make them redundant. However, if what one would claim is a personal revelation from the Holy Spirit of God is in conflict with what Scripture says, then it is in fact satanic, and you've given voice to demons while claiming to speak for God. 
Now, this is important to also remember, God can speak through anyone. Remember the high priest Caiaphas? He inadvertently prophesied about Christ, saying it's better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish. He was speaking strictly in the classic metaphysical era of the Jews about a total underestimation of the ministry of the Messiah. He was speaking strictly in the political interests of Israel, but he inadvertently prophesied. All right, we've seen Balaam, even the prophet for hire, inadvertently speak on God's behalf to bless Israel when he was actually paid to curse Israel. God can speak through Balaam's donkey. He can speak through Balaam himself. He can speak through Caiaphas. He can speak through anyone. But he didn't say this. He didn't actually talk to this guy. Was this guy being genuine? Okay, which would mean that he's delusional. If that's the case, then it wasn't God who said that. It was, in fact, the devil, right? Or was this guy just bluffing? In which case, watch out, because you'll be taken to task if you claim to be a prophet of God, and what you've actually said is from your own flesh, or is even demonic in nature. Whether you're delusional or lying, neither is good. Don't claim to speak on behalf of God when you're making up what you say. Now, this is an obvious rebuke for the, uh, this emissary from the, the Assyrian army, from, from King Sennacherib, but I think that it also has direct application within Christian circles today, okay? If you claim to have a divine revelation and you're making it up, you are in fact just like, you are in fact just like this royal spokesman from King Sennacherib. The Lord said to me, attack this land and destroy it. Now, stay tuned because you're going to see how that is overtly untrue. He did seem to get a little bit accurate in, in verse 9, though, and this is, what's, this, is, this is what I think is the giveaway. It'll have a seed of truth in it. It'll have just little, this little kernel of truth in it, all right? When the devil lies, he'll take the Word of God, and then he'll add on to it. Can you guys see that? I'm trying to, trying to convey it with like a highlight feature. He'll take what God said and then add on to it. All right. Did God really say? Okay. And then he'll controvert the word of God. Add on to the word of God. You don't need a supplement to the word of God. All right. So this was, this was the, the message from King Sennacherib's uh, envoy. And, and uh, you're going to see what, you're going to see what, what follows. The application for us today is when somebody claims to have received a word from the Lord, they inadvertently perfectly reiterate classic heresies. This was the this was the basic message behind Gnosticism, and I think that it's being echoed today in modern churches when people claim to have a word from the Lord. Watch out because you kind of, you sound a little bit like an Assyrian, if especially if what you're saying is either made up which means you're lying, or it's overtly against the Word of God, which means that you've just become demonic vessel. Congrats. That's your legacy now, right? Until you repent. So uh, we, can, we can still see this Old Testament text bear relevance even today in the modern church. Be careful that you go to someone with a word that you claim to have received from the Lord. God does this, but it's always going to be consistent with Scripture. And what it serves to do is give us a timely reminder of something that we've forgotten. Or if you've never read the whole Bible, you might actually get more of these because somebody will bring you Scripture that's exactly what you need when you need it. All right? That, I believe, is what it's like to be not an emissary for the king of Assyria, but 
an emissary for the Holy Spirit of God, bringing with you the Word of God. I pray that this blesses you. I pray that if you claim to have some sort of revelation from the Lord, that it be scriptural or that you keep your mouth shut. I pray that what comes out of your mouth would be the very words of God, which are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'll see you tomorrow.